0: Last night, that a hamburger was eating me. <laughs> so, we're starting a brand new series today called Punchline. And I know for me, I, I love to laugh. Um, I, I don't laugh easily. So, if you can get me to laugh to the point where tears are running down my face, then you are funny. Let me rephrase that. I don't laugh easily unless I'm in a place where you are not supposed to laugh. <laughs> then I have a tendency to laugh. When I was a teenager at our church, all the teenagers sat kind of down in the front. And one day there was a traveling evangelist and he was getting all worked up and excited. And we were watching, pay attention as best we could. So close though that I saw a spitball fly out of his mouth and kind of float all the way down to the floor. And for me, I wasn't supposed to laugh. You're in a place you couldn't laugh, you shouldn't laugh, but I couldn't help it. That was so funny for me, and I laughed, and I was trying to hold it in, and I was squeaking. It was not pretty for me. I find myself laughing at inappropriate times in places you're not supposed to laugh. That's when I was a teenager. It happened all the time. And it continued to happen even when I was an adult. When I was an adult, after I had been a student minister for almost 17 years, I was a student pastor for 17 years before I began starting churches. In one of my last churches, um, we had a bunch of kids in the room on a Wednesday night. We were doing our teaching time, and it was uh, a, you know teaching straight out of the Bible. We were teaching, and... I had some smart students. I had some maybe that weren 't so smart, and I had one that kind of failed to do some proper analysis of physics and um, you see, they were sitting in metal chairs, all the teenagers were in metal chairs in the whole big room and i don 't know what he ate for lunch. I have no idea, but it made him gassy and and he failed to do the proper analysis of understanding what might happen sitting in a metal chair. And he underestimated so many things, the least of which was not the volume. And I'm an adult. He's gassy, tried to hide it, couldn't hide it in the metal chair... Not supposed to laugh in church, but I laughed. I couldn't help it I couldn't help it and And those type of things seem to always happen to me um Not too many years later, I'm sitting um trying to be supportive of a friend at in a in a federal courthouse, and you know you walk into a federal building and immediately you're struck with how funny it no no, not at all it was so staunchy and so serious. I think when you go through the metal detectors, you had to leave all your phones and everything there. They wouldn't even let you take your phones with you. And so serious. And by the time you weave your way through that staunchy building and you make it into the courtroom itself, you walk in and there is nothing funny about that room at all. And it's full of these pews like church pews the only place i know of where you can sit in a pew is in a in a courthouse or in church and nobody wants either right <laughs> they were in this room very serious one of my staff members who's sitting over here beside me um, and uh, you see, did i mentioned their wooden pews he also failed to do the proper analysis of physics. And I also, again, I have no idea what he ate for lunch, but apparently it made him gassy. And here we are in the federal courthouse, and it is saucy. We're afraid to laugh there because you might go to jail. But once again, I should have put them in some kind of special physics class. I don't know, but he failed to understand what could happen in a wooden pew. I guess he grew up in a church with padded pews. I couldn't contain it. I I had to get up and squeak my way, trying to hold the laughter, squeak my way out out of the courthouse. It seems to me that I don't laugh easily. I love to laugh, but I don't laugh easily unless I'm in a position where you are not supposed to laugh at all. You know, when we think about Jesus, we also have a tendency to think of him as a little bit stuffy. I mean, it is true in the book of Isaiah, he is described as a man of sorrows. And that is absolutely true. He was a man of sorrows. He was here to go to the cross. We also think of Jesus as one who is always in deep, deep thought, in this inner reflection. But that's not all of who Jesus is. Jesus did laugh. Jesus created all the emotions that we experience, and he experienced them as well. Now, the laughter and the humor of Jesus is not really so obvious to us, but it was obvious, more obvious, to the first century, the original Jewish readers of the New Testament. It was more obvious to them, because that was their culture. And every culture has their own idea of what is funny. What is funny to one culture might be crickets to another culture. But for this culture, it ends up being knee-slapping, side-splitting funny. And it's no different in the Hebrew world where Jesus was born and raised and lived. That was the culture that God said, this is the time in history that I'm going to send Jesus. This is it. This cultural time. And they had their own ideas of what was funny. And perhaps maybe the surest way to see some of the humor of Jesus is in his comedic exaggeration of images. When he's teaching, he uses images that border on the absurd. And to his first century listeners and his followers, those statements were actually punchlines. And they made him laugh. Some of them probably so hard that their sides were hurting. Because Hebrew humor was all about the extremes. All about the exaggerations. Let me give you a couple of examples. In Matthew 23... Jesus is describing this group of Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees were super spiritual, self righteous, you know, really arrogant guys spiritually. And Jesus was describing them, and he said, He said, they strain, they 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 um they filter their drinking water at the well. They filter their water to keep from swallowing a gnat. But then as they began to drink it, they drink in such a way that they swallow the camel that's sitting beside them. And when the first century Jewish people heard that, that was like, for Jesus, a mic drop. I mean, that was hilarious. It was a punchline. His listeners must have roared with laughter in thinking about that. Jesus said of the very same people, the Pharisees, that they take so much effort in cleaning the outside of their drinking cup to make it look clean so everyone around them thinks it's so clean and it's so beautiful. And on the inside, it was so disgusting and nasty and filthy. And then they put water in that and they take a great big giant drink out of that nasty, filthy cup. And the listeners heard this and they were rolling at thinking of the Pharisees doing that. Mark chapter 10 tells us how Jesus describes that it was easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to get into heaven. And as the listeners were thinking about that, their sides were in stitches as they were laughing at that exaggerated image. That was Hebrew humor. One time, Jesus was being challenged about paying some temple tax. And he's talking to Peter, and he says, Peter, listen, I want you to go to the lake right now. I want you to drop a line in the water. The very first fish that you catch, grab the fish, put your hand in its mouth, and pull out a coin. It'll be there. Take that coin and go pay our taxes. And, and we, know, we don't know who all heard him say that. Probably just his immediate followers, the disciples. But they probably thought it was hilarious. And we know this, though. Matthew included that story... Into his gospel. And when the first century readers got to that point. In the gospel of Matthew. They probably had to put down the manuscript. Because they were laughing at that exaggeration. Jesus. Just like us. He liked to laugh. And Jesus made people laugh as well. Jesus understood the power and the art of of the punchline. Let's take a look at one of those examples. It's in Luke chapter 14. We're going to read through this story starting with verse 1. One Sabbath day Jesus went to eat in the home of a leader of the Pharisees and the people who were watching him closely. Now these folks had Jesus under a microscope. They were watching him to see him mess up. Who were these people? Basically, the chief priest, super important people. The elders, super important people. They were all Pharisees, super important, self-righteous people. So Jesus receives this invitation to go to this banquet that's hosted by one of these super important people. And Jesus responds. Now, let me kind of tell you how... The, the banquets, the dinners work. So they would send out invitations, and then those people would then tell them, yes, I'm going to come. It was an RSVP so that the host could prepare everything. And then they would come and they would sit around the table. The people who had the invitations could come and sit around the table and partake, be a part of the banquet. But other people, there was still a little bit of room left, a little bit of space in the room, and other people were allowed to come in who were not invited. They were allowed to come in and stand along the walls with the table and the invited guest in the middle. And then also there were doors and windows into that room into that room and other people could stand outside and all of those people standing in the room and standing outside the room could just stand there and listen they could not participate they could not add to the conversation they could not eat at the banquet they only got to stand there and listen they were not invited guests they were just there to listen that's how it worked so Jesus comes into the room into the banquet room And all of these people who have been invited, who have invitations, they show up and and they are scurrying around, trying to get each other out of the way so they can get to the best seats at the banquet, the most important seats, the places of honor. Jesus just kind of walks in and he just takes a seat at the very first place he comes to, which is not the seat of honor. He just takes a seat. And he's watching all these people. It's almost as if they're playing musical chairs. They're just scurrying around while the music's playing. The music stops. Everybody scrambles for a seat. Jesus is watching this. You can almost imagine him smirking and kind of giggling to himself at this image. And he takes that opportunity to teach them about humility, about what kind of seat to take, not fighting for the seat of honor. Don't even want the seat of honor. He he talks to them about that after they sit down. But then he doesn't stop there. Then he leans over and talks to the host, the person who sent out all the invitations. And I'm going to paraphrase, but basically here's what he says. Jesus says, listen, Mr. Host, next time you have a banquet, don't invite all of these bozos. Don't, don't invite these self-inflated, self-righteous, self-important people who will in turn just simply give you an invitation to their banquet so they can show off or so they can pay you back. He said, don't invite them to your next banquet. Instead, Jesus said, invite the poor and invite the sick, the dying the blind and the crippled. Invite those people who have no way of paying you back. That's who you need to invite. Now, Jesus, you can almost imagine the other guests who are standing around the room. They're like, I can't believe he said that. They're like looking down. Don't look at the host in the eyes. He might kick me out of his house, but I can't believe Jesus just said that. He really told him. And it got really awkward at that moment in the room at the banquet. And what happens when things get awkward? Somebody's going to jump in and try to make it less awkward. And that's exactly what happens here in Luke chapter 14 now, verse 15. Hearing this, so after Jesus said that, hearing this, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, Oh! What a blessing, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. Now notice that he's assuming he's going to be there. And all the other people at the table are assuming they will be there too. And they're making that assumption primarily because of their families and their ancestry, their heritage. And Jesus is getting ready to bust that myth. He's going to bust the myth basically by saying it is not who you are that will get you into the kingdom of God. It's not who you are, but it is what you do with your invitation. So this guy breaks the awkward silence, and now Jesus responds to the whole room and to him. Jesus, verse 16, he replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. Now this is very interesting Because it's pretty much what they are doing right there. What has happened? The host in the room where Jesus is prepared a great feast, sent out many invitations, and all those people sent back their RSVPs, they accepted the invitations, and now they showed up at the feast. And Jesus is saying, yeah, 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 it's kind of like this. All the people who responded, they were like, yeah, yeah, I can make it, I'll be there. And they did that so the host could have enough food for everybody. And that's exactly what happened for Jesus at this banquet. And it's what happens in the story now that Jesus is telling. Jesus replied, a man prepared a great feast, sent out many invitations. Notice he said many, many invitations went out. So this evidently is a huge banquet. Verse 17, when the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests. Come, the banquet is ready. So it's almost as if they got a second invitation, but this really was more of a reminder, saying, hey, remember, you said you would be there. You sent back your RSVP. You said you were coming, so now we're letting you know. It's ready. You can begin to show up now. Okay, this was commonplace commonplace this is how banquets happened all the people at the table knew about it this was normal it's what they had just done all the people standing around the room even though they may not have been banquet material they knew how it worked it was all common they understood to this point everyone was with jesus they were right with him with the story this is how it worked until the next statement verse 18 Jesus said, but they all began making excuses. Now, suddenly, this changed. As the comic we were just listening to said, there's a setup and then a punchline. The setup was, they were all, yes, this is how banquets worked. And now Jesus just threw in a punchline, but they all began making excuses. And this was not how it worked. This was not how it happened. You did not do that. When you said I will be there, you showed up, you went, you did not skip, you attended. And this statement shocks the listeners. It's funny now to them, they begin to snicker. They begin to crack some smiles. Ooh, they didn't show up. I can't believe that. And Jesus goes on. But they all began to make excuses, all, and he gives us a few examples of the excuses. One said, listen, I've just bought a field, (laughs) just bought a field, and I tell you, I've got to go inspect it, so please, you're going to have to excuse me. Okay, now, when everyone heard this, they, at this point, laughed out loud, because this was super super silly this was an extreme and that's hebrew humor the extremes this was funny for them to to say this would be like us saying to a host listen i would love to go to disney world i would love to and i know listen i know you already have my my plane ticket i know you already purchased it you already bought My ticket into Disney World. I know you've already taken care of my hotel reservation. You've already taken care of all of my meal money. I would love to go to Disney World. Really, really I would. But I tell you. Man, the timing. I really need to wash between my toes. And when the people heard that. Guy's going to go wash between his toes? He's not going to go... It's all paid for? That was extreme. And they couldn't contain the laughter. They just busted out with their laughing. Everyone, the Pharisees around the table, the people standing around the room, the people outside, they begin to laugh. And Jesus goes on, verse 19. And another said, Listen... I just, I just now, I just now bought five pairs of oxen. I, I really want to go try them out. Please, please excuse me. That was like them saying, "Listen, I, I really can't go. I've got to go home. I've got to go wash my dog fleas. What are you gonna, fleas? What are you gonna do with them? Please." And the people, when they heard the excuse, they were like, I can't believe they're elbowing each other. Oh my word, he's got to go try out the oxen. It's crazy. Jesus goes on, verse 20. Another one said, listen, I now have a wife. I can't come. It's like he said, women, (laughs) what are you going to do with them? Take my wife, please. I mean, when they heard that, they roared. They are slapping their knees. They're like, I can't believe it. He can't go. He's got a wife. He can't go because he has a wife. They're grasping, gasping for air. They're like, Jesus, Jesus, stop it. Stop it. I'm going to pass out. And this was a real stinger, because that didn't happen. If you got invited, you went. And here, all of the guests, this was just three examples Jesus cited, we will not go. All of the guests, as Jesus describes it, they decided, we will not go. After we already told him we would, we will not go. We're going to shun the host. We're going to send him a message. A message of rejection. We reject you. We refuse to sit with you at your table. We refuse. That's what they told the servant who said, hey, everybody it's ready now, come on. And here's what happens in verse 21. Jesus goes on. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious. He says, Go, go quickly now into the streets and the alleys and and all around the town. Invite the poor, invite the crippled and the blind and the lame. All right. Now at this point, The listeners did not see this turn coming. I mean, because there were no crippled, lame, blind. None of those people ever got invitations to a banquet. It was not even in their ability to conceive. And when Jesus, the listeners of Jesus, when they heard him say that, that punchline led to hysterics. The key to Hebrew humor was, The extreme. And it did not get more extreme than that. He went from the rich. And the famous. Being invited. All the way to the homeless. The crippled and the blind. I mean they were imagining a banquet full of blind people. How would they get in? They were imagining a banquet full of homeless people. Full of crippled people. How? This just makes no sense. And they're. In hysterics now, hearing that, verse 22. Jesus continues, after the servant had done this, he reported back to the master. Here's what he said. There's still room. Room for more. Verse 23, so the master said, All right, go out into all the country lanes. So he said, leave the city, get outside of the city walls, go into all the country lanes, behind all the hedges, and urge, compel, beg anyone you find, anyone you find, so that the house will be full. At this point, some poor guy probably just took a big gulp of wine. Jesus says this line, and wine starts shooting out of his nose. He's laughing so hard. Anyone, oh my word, Ah, ah. anyone, (laughs) absolutely anyone can go. He's laughing, this makes no sense, this is so funny. Jesus, you are so funny. No one is too low class. No one is too worldly. No one is too dirty. Absolutely anyone. At this point in the story, Jesus has said, Everyone, everyone gets an invitation. Everyone has the opportunity to be a friend of the host. To sit at his table. And it was unheard of. Because these were all now unacceptable people. And a banquet full of unacceptable people would never happen in that culture. And so they are all laughing. And while they are laughing, Jesus... Has one more statement to make. And here's what he said. They are dying laughing. And Jesus says this For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. And they are laughing and laughing, and it begins <laughs> to fade into awkward silence. <laughs> oh my word, Jesus! Wait did did he just say? Did he? What did he just say? Yep, I believe he did. He said that. <laughs> wait a minute, that's not cool, Jesus. Because Jesus was saying receiving an invitation, accepting an invitation is not the same as showing up when invited. Let me say that again because this is our bottom line today. Receiving an invitation accepting an invitation, sending out an RSVP. Hey, I'll be there. Receiving an invitation, accepting an invitation is not the same as showing up when invited. And Jesus is describing the kingdom of heaven. And he has just now said that receiving an invitation to the kingdom of heaven even you accepting the invitation and saying, Yeah, I'll be there. An invitation to the kingdom of heaven is not the same as showing up when you have been invited. Jesus has told us so much that I want to highlight two very specific things. Jesus has just told us that everyone receives an invite. Everyone receives an invite. People who are bad, they received an invite. People who think that they are good, they received an invite. People who do not deserve the invitation, they received an invite. People who think they do deserve it, they received one too. People who had giant lists of their sins... Received an invite. And people who think that they just have a little sticky note's worth of sin. They received an invite too. Jesus was saying everyone gets an invite. But not everyone shows up. Everyone gets an invitation. But not everyone shows up when they get the invitation. That's huge. Jesus also told us this. That everyone gets at least one invitation. They all got at least one invitation but we are not guaranteed a second. We get one but we are not guaranteed a second. So here's my question, my friends. What? are you going to do with the invitation that your heart is holding right now? What are you going to do with it? We all are guaranteed one invitation at least into the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody chooses to show up. We are not guaranteed a second invitation. So what are you going to do with your invitation, let me help and describe something you might be thinking, okay, okay, Harley, this is serious this is this part is not funny at all. this is serious. so what this invitation thing? what are you talking about? What does it look like? I'm not sure I've gotten my invitation. Let me describe to you how the writers of the gospel describe the invitation here here's one. The follower of Jesus named John, here's how he describes it. In John chapter 1, starting with verse 10. Talking about Jesus, he said, Jesus, he came into the world, he created. Jesus is the, cre- when you read Genesis, God create. that's Jesus. He came into the world, he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Verse 11. He came to his own people. What John is saying is, he gave an invitation to his very own people, and it says, "Even they rejected him." They said, I, "I don't want your invitation. Keep your invitation. I don't want it. I say no to you, Jesus." That's what they did with his invitation. But it goes on, verse 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him. Now let me, tell, let me help you understand because we have kind of a different understanding of what it means to believe and accept. Jesus was not here on this earth just begging people, please accept me. Oh, I feel so horrible about, please just accept me. Will you just accept me? Jesus was not walking around with low self-esteem, just hoping that people would accept him. That's not what that means. It's not people saying, I approve of you, I will follow you. That's not what it means. And believing does just not simply mean, hey, yeah, yeah, I I believe in what you're saying. I understand what you're saying in my mind. I understand it, and I and I believe, yeah, this is all good stuff. And then you go home and you just do what you want to do, live the way you want to live, and you be who you want to be. Your decisions, your timing, it's all you. It's all you. Whatever you want at your time. But yeah, I believe all that. I believe, yeah, I believe. Go oh Jesus. I'm I'm. I believe that. I call myself a Christian. I believe that. That's not what the word's talking about. In this day and time, here's what that meant to believe and accept. It meant that something happens in your life that turns you around. You are headed one direction, following your way, what you want, what you decide, what you think is right, and suddenly. Jesus comes into your life and you recognize this was not the way. This is not going to lead me to truth. This is not going to lead me to life. And you say, I believe this is the way. I'm going to reject... What I have done in life and I'm going to accept Jesus as the way. And here's what happens. To believe and accept means you turn around and you leave your way and you follow his way. There's another word for that in the Bible. It's called repent. I turn from my way and I follow his way. And here John says, but to all who believed him and accepted him which means they repented they turned from their way and they followed him he gave the right jesus gave the right to become children of god he changed them he gave them a new future, a new home in his kingdom of heaven. A new, It was almost as if they were born into a new family. And here's how that's described in verse 13. They are reborn. And John says, no, 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 not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. No, 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 not that. But a birth that comes from God. A spiritual renewal, a spiritual birth. That's how John describes the invitation. Some rejected it. But some took that invitation, and they showed up. That's how John describes it. It's described in John again, this time John chapter 3. I, and I'm not going to have this on the screen, because this is a verse, maybe the, one of the most famous verses in all the world. John three sixteen. And and the Bible says that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus at a very specific time into the world so that he could die for the world and save the world. And that those who believe in him, what does that mean again? Not this, oh yeah, I think you're right, check that, Uh, Jesus, you're correct. No, it's something happens inside of you that causes you to turn around. Now, I want to say this. If you take John 3.16 and you separate it from all of the Bible and the rest of John, and you read just that, you will not understand what it means to follow Jesus and to become a follower of Christ, what the Bible describes as a Christian. You won't understand it and you may have a wrong idea of what it really means you cannot separate John 3:16 from John 3:17 and 3:18 and 3:19 and 3:20 and 3:21 they're a package and here's what it says that God loves you so much The whole world he loves so much that he invited them to his banquet, the kingdom of heaven. He invites you into a belief. A belief that produces a result. Here's the result. Leaving my way and following Jesus. That's the result. Leaving my way and beginning to pursue Jesus who is the truth. Beginning to love Jesus who is the light. Beginning to follow Jesus who is the truth. He's the life. Jesus is the way. Following his way. And so here's my question, what have you done with your invitation? You have received that invitation, God's word tells us, everyone was invited. What have you done with your invitation to follow Jesus? Maybe you say, well Harley, I, I, I think it's true, what you're saying, I think it's true, Harley. But, I'm not, I'm not ready to turn around. There are still some things on this path that I'm on that I want to do, Harley. I'm not through with my path yet. There are things I want to do. There are things I am not ready to leave. I'm not ready to turn my back on these things. I still have things I want to do on this path. I'm not ready to turn. So, Harley, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And I simply say this to you. According to the way Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven, you can wait. But you can wait too long. You say, but Harley, listen, I'm considering it. I'm thinking about it. I'm considering it. According to the way Jesus describes the kingdom of heaven... Everyone is given an invitation, but we are not promised another. Everyone is given one, but we're not promised another invitation. We like to believe that we can come to Jesus at any time, anytime we choose, anytime we please. He's there just waiting on us to show up. Anytime we choose, we can. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do it now. I've got other things I want to do, Jesus. You know what the reality is, though? The Bible tells us we can only come to the Father when the Spirit is calling us. That's the invitation. What are you going to do with that invitation? What if we are choosing to wait, what are we waiting for? Are, are we waiting for a better offer? You know, for us to look at God, to look at Jesus, and to say, I'm I'm considering, I'm thinking about it, but I'm not done with this path yet. I'm waiting. For us to say to Jesus, not now is the very same thing for us to say to Jesus right now. For now, Jesus, if I have to give you an answer now, the answer is no. We're not guaranteed another invitation. You know, in the story that Jesus is telling, there's three sets of invitations that go out. And when he gets to that third set, that last invitation that goes out to different people, It wasn't one person, three invitations. Three different sets of people. And when that third set went out, he said this. He said to the servant, when you give these invitations out, I want you to go out there and urge them, compel them, beg them to show up. Beg them to take the invitation and to show up. My friends, that's what i am doing right now i'm urging you i'm begging you i'm trying to compel you to show up and you may feel like i don't i don't deserve an invitation i have been too bad my friends i have been too bad as well, but he gave me an invitation and he's giving you an invitation and I am urging you. What are you going to do with the invitation he's given you? you? Say, but Harley, I'm just, I'm not good enough. I am not good enough. I wasn't good enough either. Harley, I can't repay him. I couldn't repay him either and I never will be able to. No, we're not good enough. No, we can't earn it. But he invites you anyway. He invites you. And so I am urging you. I am compelling you. Answer your invitation to show up and follow Jesus. Because he's invited you. What are you waiting for? I believe that some of you are ready right now. Some of you, I believe, are ready to say yes to Jesus right now. You're ready to say yes, Jesus. I am turning. I'm ready. I'm going to turn from my path, my way. And I'm going to turn to you saying yes to your invitation. I'm going to follow you. You see, it is what you do with your invitation that will get you a seat at His table. Receiving an invitation, it's not enough. Accepting an invitation, just saying, hey, I'm RSVP and put me down for a yes, it's not enough. It is not the same thing as showing up when you are invited Are you ready to follow Him? If you are, I'm going to ask you to pray with me. It's one of these things I call a Me Too prayer. If you are going to be praying with me at the end of this prayer, I urge you to mark your connection card and let me know, yes, I just chose to follow Jesus. I am choosing to become a follower of His. I am saying, not just saying yes to Jesus, I am turning and following Him right now. And if that is you, mark your connection card. you know why? Because very soon we will have a baptistry in this building and we want to include you in that celebration. If you're saying yes to Jesus right now, if you're saying, I will take this invitation and I am showing up, Right now, if that is you, I'm going to ask all of us to bow our heads. But I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Not out loud. I'm asking you just in your heart to say, yes, Jesus, this is me. It's a me too prayer. You're saying, God, what he is saying, those words, those are my words too. That's what my heart is saying too. Me too, God, include me in that. That is me. Me too. If that is you, let's all bow our heads. But you let God know as I pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for giving us an invitation. An invitation to life. An invitation to follow Jesus. An invitation to turn from our own way and to follow Jesus. And we can only do that because Jesus chose to come to this earth at just the right time. And to walk his way to the cross where he died He died on the cross for the sins of the world. That includes my sins. They were nailed to the cross with Jesus. As he died, my sins were paid for. Thank you, Jesus. Include me in on that sacrifice. And Jesus, three days later, you walked out of the tomb. Not as a ghost. You didn't walk out of the tomb as a spirit. You walked out of the tomb as Jesus, your heart beating again. And you defeated death, and you invited me into your family to follow you. And to your invitation, your invitation to life, I say, I'm leaving my path, and I now belong to you. I'm following you. You are the truth, you're the life. Jesus, you're the way. I'm going to follow you. From this day forward, Jesus, I may fall and I may mess up, but I'm following you. I refuse to go back to my home and live a life unchanged by you and your word and your love. God, I am turning to you and you alone and I am following you. You are now the boss of my life. I say yes to you. Thank you Jesus. That your love was so great. That it compelled Jesus to go to the cross. And your love is so great through Jesus. That it comes into my life. And it compels me to follow you. And you change me Jesus. Slowly but surely you change this hard headed life and you change it and you mold it and you conform it into your desire and i am saying yes to you in the name of jesus my savior my messiah i pray these things amen